In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to Suits Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA. Um, so the last time I was on this podcast, I shot down the idea of Russell Westbrook being traded for John Wall, and less than four hours after I uploaded it, lo and behold, Westbrook gets traded for Wall for, and a protected first-round pick. So I, I thought, f*** it. Like, I've been wrong for just about every step of the way <laughs> this offseason. A few hits, but mostly misses. So let's bring in the man who has now predicted that the Rockets would not retain Mike D'Antoni, that Daryl Morey would be gone, and originally proposed the idea that of a John Wall for Westbrook swap on this very podcast before it became rumored. I'm proud to have back on this podcast the oracle, the prophet, the soothsayer of Houston's offseason from hell, Dan, Favel, Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate, look, volume shooters sometimes hit. So I was bound to get something right eventually. And it's you got, uh, like everything right. So it's just like every step of the way. Like I'm talking months in advance. You predicted the Maury and D'Antoni thing. That seemed like the like the writing was on the wall. And even the, the Westbrook wall stuff. I don't know. You and I had discussed it. I think even on my podcast, because you shot it down there too. Um, and let me just say, like we've recorded, I think, five podcasts together since the season ended. And they have all aged extremely poorly. So here's hoping <laughs> this one, this one does not. But you shot down the wall for Westbrook framework on that one. Too. I shot down everything. I, I, literally everything on that list I shot down. So anything you say on this podcast, <laughs> I'm not going to shoot down. You, you whatever, whatever you say is gospel from now on until you get something wrong. So you just did back-to-back podcast. First of all, I appreciate you coming on. I know that's, I mean, I've been, I've been there. That is a lot of work. And I, I bet you midway through this podcast, you're going to be extremely loopy. You're going to say things that you might regret. I've been there. So thanks for holding on. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I want to table the James Harden discussions for right now because we have so much to talk about before that, namely this John Wall trade. Uh, so what was your initial reaction to the trade? Like, what did you think about it for both teams? Uh, one, those two teams have executives that definitely read NBA Twitter because that trade became like, it eventually became mainstream. I don't actually know who was the first one to suggest it, but I think it got to a point where everyone was like, hey, why don't they just swap problem point guards and then John Wall requested a trade at the start of free agency. That was something that just got sort of buried beneath all the signings and transactions that were happening. And that's when it really started to gain, gain steam. Uh, so I fully believe, I don't know if it was Tommy Shepard. I, I don't know if it was Raphael Stone, but they're looking at NBA Twitter. Someone suggested they were probably like, you know, that's probably not the worst idea. Um, but my impression was, I mean, you know where I stand on this. I actually like it a little bit better for Houston because I think – um, I know we don't want to get into Harden, but if they play together, John Wall's just been statistically a better catch and shoot guy than Russell Westbrook. Um, I think 38% since 2015. And let's just acknowledge that he hasn't played in basically two years. So there's that. Westbrook has been decidedly under 32% on catch and shoot threes during that span. And I think because of Wall's passing, um, I know this isn't, well, we don't know how the Rockets are necessarily going to play yet under uh, Steven Silas, but Wall gives other players more of a reason to move off the ball than Russell Westbrook. We're like, he's going to find the guys for stationary assists. John Wall actually breeds to pass. And so I know if his, there's an athletic athleticism drop off following his, you know, Achilles injuries, he had the bone spurs issues as well that could hamper him, but he's still a really good passer. Like the IQ is there. And so if you're trying to be good, 
Um, I think, I don't know that John Wall on his own makes you better than Russell Westbrook, but he's easier to compliment and flesh out the rest of the roster around or pair with another star. And the flip side of this is though, if the Rockets do enter some sort of reset mode for whatever reason, I don't think John Wall lifts you up on his own as much as Westbrook would. And like, let's go back to the Thunder team right after Kevin Durant left before they got Paul George. Uh, Like that was all Westbrook everything. And like he dragged that team to a middling seed in the West. You don't want that. And I think that if the Rockets still had some talent around Russ, he could do that independent if he's the only star there. And Wall isn't going to do that for even before he got hurt, I think. There's evidence that that wouldn't have happened. And so he, yes, there's still that blemish on your cap sheet. But if you are going to enter rebuilding mode at some point over the next two or three years, he's not going to pick you up as many unnecessary wins, I'll call them, as Russell Westbrook would. So I think this trade was reported like as a discussion between the two teams uh, by Shams, right? I think Shams reported it back in. Uh, it was just like, sandwiched between like free agency was happening and right all the and then Shams tweets, yeah, John Wall wants a trade, and they've talked to Russell Westbrook. They've talked about Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Right. Yeah. So like. It, I think this was something that was possible around the draft, but I th- I don't think it actually gained traction bef- like until before the season started, before training camp started, and Westbrook didn't show up, and Westbrook's agent uh, went ahead and talked to the Rockets and the Wizards and got them both back to the table and ironed this deal back. Uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, when you brought it up, when you really pitched the idea, like I, I thought if you do that trade, you're rebuilding like because John Wall is a guy who's coming off of two years without NBA basketball coming out off a, an injury that was once a career ender like just literally right. 10 years ago we were talking about the Achilles injury as if it was a career ender and now it's something you can come back from but it's still something that you know like your performance drops off just so so significantly after that injury and I, I thought if you do that trade you're kind of you're kind of choreographing what you're doing, right? Like it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, you're going to rebuild. Like, and I, I, I thought that as soon as the trade went down, like I think that trade more than any other trade, any other trade the Rockets made this offseason told Rockets fans exactly what they were doing. Like they're rebuilding, they're preparing for a rebuild. The Rockets spent their entire offseason acquiring first round picks and young talent and did not acquire veteran players for any deal longer than one year on the minimum. Like straight up, every long term deal they did was with someone under the age of twenty five. So I think it's very clear what they're doing here. And I I wrote in my newsletter, like I just you know why it, it might look like a hedge that they're trying to prepare for both, trying to be competitive with Harden and uh, trying to rebuild. Like like while it look it looks like they're trying to thread the needle, it's very clear what they're doing. And I think you know, sooner or later, it's just a matter. T- it's just a matter of when they get the best offer for James Harden. Yeah, I mean, I think the question now is like, does it somehow happen before the start of the season, given how drastically things have changed? But I would probably agree with everything you said. Houston's now plus three first round picks for the offseason, not in general, obviously, because they've traded away a zillion of them. Is that correct? Yeah, and that's not something a re- that's not something a contending team does. They don't no, have they draft don't, picks. You don't trade Robert Covington. I don't care if you're getting two first round picks. Right. Like, Robert Covington is one of the best team defenders in the NBA, and you were playing not even if you don't want to play small, like to just have the wear and tear, like offload that from PJ Tucker. So, you know, I, maybe you could have sold it if you did it to like make it easier to get Christian Wood and you just thought he was the better fit. Um, But I think it's clear, like you don't, 
not that you don't, you know, maybe you pick up a, a first round pick, but like they've picked up three. Like that's not something that, and look, they've, they've objectively traded for a worse point guard now. And it's not a matter yeah. of the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade where um, you could at least talk yourself into Russ's durability being the reason why you give up value to get him. And he's younger, but this, the only thing you can justify is that should James Harden stick around wall might be the better fit for him, but he hasn't played in two years and he was an inferior point guard to Russell Westbrook to begin with. And there's no guarantee that he's actually a good fit at his peak. And so all those variables involved, uh, you, you acquired the worst player and you did so well getting a first round pick, whether that was enough value to take back that money. I don't, you know, I, I honestly don't know. It's kind of actually surprising that it's like surprising. Washington gave up such a distant first. Um, I guess there's still a chance it doesn't convey and turns into the two seconds, but it's also surprising that Houston didn't want more for taking on Wall's contract. So uh, it, there's a lot of like what ifs there, but you can't, you can spin this as if you're keeping James Harden that you wanted to tow two lines, but you can't talk about yourself being a better team or being most committed to trying to win a championship right now because you've not acted like a championship team at all this offseason. Like you just from Mike D'Antoni leaving to not figuring out a way to keep. Um, Daryl Morey around it. And then even the way the head coaching search went, I'm not going to diminish what Steven Silas brings to the to the table. And I just know he's well-respected around the NBA and he did a lot of good things. We just don't know. Like we just right. have no idea what he's going to be. Right. And look, the, he did a lot of good things in Charlotte and Dallas, but like if you were committed to contending, you pay and pony up to bring in the Ty Lue. Like you make sure he doesn't get with the Clippers type deal. And that's not a shot at Silas. I just, maybe he's, you know, I don't know that this is the job he signed up for, but you know, he could end up being a very good NBA coach. I just think every move that they've made this offseason, I don't think any of it has tilted towards win now. I just, I'm trying to single out the one that does, and it, it really doesn't. Houston did this John Wall trade for the draft pick. And I think that's been something, you know, when you when you look at the discussion about this trade from Houston's side, it's been all about John Wall. And I'm like, forget about John Wall for a second. This trade was all about the sweeteners that Washington was going to put in. Right, because it looked like for a very long time that if Houston wanted to dump Westbrook's contract, that they would have to offload picks. And it looked like this was one of the few trades on the market where Houston actually got a first-round pick back, and that's why they did it. And like what you said there about John about John Wall being an inferior player to Westbrook is like point blank. Like that's one hundred percent true. Like there is no scenario next season. Like I'll say, this is a very limited number of scenarios next season <laughs> where, where John Wall is a better player than Russell Westbrook. The Rockets cost themselves wins in this trade. They just did. Like they like however you feel about Russell Westbrook's not my favorite player either. Right? Like he is he is still a top twenty player in the NBA. He made all NBA last season. John Wall is someone coming off a career ending injury. And it's one of those things where it's like it's so obvious to me what they're doing. And I don't, I don't really understand this idea that oh, they're still trying to contend. They just like John Wall better, or John John Wall was James Harden's preference. Like, yeah, that might have been true. But I think you look at the roster right now, like John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, David Nwaba. Three of those four players are coming off Achilles injuries. Christian Wood is a relative unknown, right? Like, I know he had a nice ending of the season with Detroit. But that's such a limited sample size. It's it also counts as a gamble, right? So you're taking on four gambles to be rotation players next year for you, major rotation players, right? Like all three, all four of those guys are going to play big time minutes for the Rockets, and there's no guarantee that they're going to be they're all going to be hits. So I like 
what I think Houston's setting themselves up for this season is they're either going to hit a Hail Mary and all these all these four players hit and or it's it's they're they're switching to a rebuild. And I think they want to see what they have for the first 10 to 20 games of the season before they make a decision on James Harden. But I think they have uh, their minds made up at where this is heading. And that's why they decided to frame their offseason like this. See, it's so what's interesting is, so I think I'm actually higher than Christian Wood on you. I think he's just shown that what he could do is probably real. And while it's a gamble going from, essentially, I know this wasn't exactly going from Rocco, who you know what you're probably going to get, save for maybe some variance on his three-point shooting, to Wood. He's clearly like the higher upside player, um, has more of a floor game, can cover like, he can actually cover ground defensively. It's just not disciplined ground at this point. And so if you wanted to make that bet on its face and think that you're the better team, that's fine. I also think that if you kept this team intact, like do they necessarily win many fewer games than they did last season? Like just looking at the regular season, uh, it feels like James Harden carrying a bunch of, let's say like actual NBA players, none of them really superstars, like Westbrook's not there. Like, could you still envision that team maybe winning at, you know, what was the the Rockets pace this year? They were at like a, they were 44 and 72, which is a what on an 82 game pace. So 50 win pace. I could see that team winning 50 games if Harden stays healthy. I think where they really made the sacrifice was like, they're not as built for the playoffs anymore. Like you got worse on defense going from uh Rocco to Christian Wood, essentially like, and you can't be banking on like David Nwaba to be the same player he was pre Achilles. And it's nice to take a gamble on Sterling Brown. I think he's a good player, but like when your primary wings are David Nwaba, Sterling Brown, Daniel House, Ben McLemore, like, yeah, you've, you've said something and you haven't really um, shored hey, up. Hey, Eric Gordon's a gamble too, because he hasn't been good in a year. Right. I mean, but he's already on the roster. Like you didn't, you know, yeah. you're not. So like, there was nothing to do about that. And look, what they might've done is like, you would have been shopping like Eric Gordon with those picks to either try and get something or maybe get off his money to make yourself more flexible to spend. Like you're never going to have cap space, but is it more palatable to then use the, um, the, like the, the mid-level exception at that point. So I, they definitely haven't acted like a win now team. If they stayed intact, I think there's a chance they're still good, but they made a point blank sacrifice like in the postseason. I think they were clearly, if you left this team alone, uh, they're clearly inferior in the postseason. Just, I think Russell Westbrook being, I know he played poorly this past postseason, but I think just his raw, like scoring ability and motor um, is going to get you further than John, whatever John Wall is now. And mostly that's, you know, an unknown because we don't know what John Wall is, even though, you know, him and Beal like really incited fear into some Eastern conference opponents back in the day. It's just, he's coming off this major injury. So I'm, I'm fully in agreement with you. There are ways to spin this where Houston didn't fully tip their hand into the rebuild, but like it's impossible for them to say that they're trying to maximize James Harden's window because that's not what they've done with um, with these moves. Yeah, and listen, I thought they were threading the needle up until the John Wall trade, right? Like I thought that's exactly what they were doing. Like they were preparing to try and 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 field a pretty good team and and just to see if they could convince James Harden to stay, right? The Wall trade is what did it for me, right? Because again, they did that trade for the pick. Like the, the like point blank, they don't do that pick. They don't do that trade if it's just John Wall for Russell Westbrook. Right. And I, I, I don't know how you fundamentally spin it any other way. Uh, and, and you know, talking about just what they did on the edges and stuff. Like, like, yeah, I think this roster is probably going to like if they can convince James Harden to come back. And like, I mean, I, I think he's probably going to play start the season on Houston's roster and get moved at the deadline. But if they can convince James Harden to come back. 
this roster is probably still probably going to be very good. And I think it is better fitting. I think, you know, you made that point about John Wall's catch and shoot numbers. I agree. Like, I think like it's very difficult to construct a James Harden and Russell Westbrook led team. It's just, it's just, you, you have to, you have to tilt your roster in such a way. Like, like you have to play mm-hmm. micro ball, right? Like you have, you have to spit, you have to play f- five out and you have to try and uh, switch everything and, you know, force a bunch of turnovers. And it's just very hard to field a winning team like that. Whereas if it's just Harden and, and a much better fitting piece like Chris Paul, or I guess in this case, John, uh, John Wall, right? Like a player that can, in his prime, could defend a little bit, can when shoot. Catch, to, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and can shoot, catch and shoot three pointers at a decent clip. Like yeah, I I and Christian Woods like a role guy who can uh he he can play pick and roll with James Harden and he hasn't had that kind of pick and roll partner since they traded Clint Capella. He can play pick and pop with anybody on that on that backcourt, right? But the problem is, it's all these bets that they've taken. Like they're betting that John Wall like for this to pay off, the John Wall has to be John Wall, right? And listen, I've heard a lot of great things about John Wall coming out of training camp. Like I, I'm actually surprised that like how good he apparently looks like he apparently is really still pretty athletic. He has a lot of bounce. He has um like, he has a speed under him and you know, he's been playing basketball since March. So, I mean, like I I'm rooting for John wall, right? Like I, I, I want John wall to come back. If you read his story, like, you know, the stuff with his mom and the cancer, it's, it's, it's really, really sad. So I really want John wall to come back. I really want him to be good. It's just all this stuff. Like when you, when you combine the odds, it just becomes increasingly more unlikely that all these things hit. And that's where I end up with the Rockets. Yeah, that's and that's the thing is like you can't if it was like John Wall had missed a year or something, like maybe you could spin this as like, hey, they're really trying to see if he can get back to peak John Wall. And no one's rooting against John Wall. It's just the likelihood of him ever getting back to normal is just so low. And it's even the more encouraging returns from Achilles injuries lately. Like you look at Rudy Gay and Wesley Matthews. Um, neither of those two were just super predicated on their athleticism at the time. And you're probably just not going to be able to log the same type of minutes. So even while I think John Wall's smart enough to be an impactful player without the same burst and explosion and just general speed, uh, is he a, is he a 30, 35 minute per game player anymore? I would hazard. No, he's probably closer to 2025 20, minutes. And so you're hamstringing yourself a little bit there for the same cost. Now, if he does get back to, even if he has to be on a minutes limit, yeah, if he gets back to, um, John Wall, I can't even say pre-injury, but like, let's say John Wall of 2016, 2017. Is that like the last really good? I can't even remember at this point. Like if he gets like back there. is like his, his last great year or like good year. Yeah. So like if he gets back to that and let's just say it's in a smaller capacity, like let's just, that's assuming it's just the adjustment. Then yeah, maybe you make out ahead, but like you also need to do this, like knowing that James Harden is still going to be in place. And that's not a gamble you make for your star player in his prime by saying, Hey, even if James Harden wants to play with wall, it's not, Hey, let's get this player who might possibly be better, but is going to play less and probably won't be better than what we have. Uh, so like, that's just, that's not a team that's thinking we're now like, that's where the divergence really comes in because you're right. Like this roster as presently constituted, like the top five could be good wall, Harden, uh, Daniel house, PJ Tucker, Christian Wood, I'm assuming is their uh, starting five. Like if that's, what happens? You have, you know, let's say one of Cousins or Gordon hits this year. Like, they're actually good. Um, That's great. David Nawaba, like, just throw him into the fold. Like, maybe he's okay. He could really give you some, pos- like, positional optionality on defense. Uh, Sterling Brown, uh, he can shoot from the corners, and he gives you some positional optionality on defense. Ben McLemore uh, said he's been working on finishing at the rim, and if you combine that with the shooting threat he is, like, that really helps you. So there are paths to this team being good. It's just, 
it's less likely to reach the optimal version of itself because of the risk John Wall posed relative to Westbrook. So like, yeah, the fit might be cleaner, but the peak is just so much more uncertain and to me so much further away, which is where the divergence really comes in. And look, let's just be, let's just come down to it. If you're a win now team with James Harden on your roster, you're spending the mid-level exception, like not partial of it like they did to get, uh, I think they gave it to Jayshon Tate is the one who got uh, a part of it. Like uh, that's they're, not, they're hard capped right now. They can't really spend it. But like, that's not a position you put yourself in though. It's like you figure yeah. out a way to shed money. Like you have those picks now, um, or you position yourself to where, Hey, we're, we're not going to get hard capped because we're not is, you know, is doing a sign in trade for Christian Wood, like the worth getting hard capped for, like then maybe you don't get Christian Wood. So, I think that's kind of where I land on it too, is there's still a way it would have been around that. Yeah. Like you get Christian Wood, like now you have picks, like, can you find a taker for Gordon? The Knicks had all this cap space at one point and then you go and spend, but like that, I just, I don't know your, your big move of the summer can't, well, aside from wall, like the Westbrook for wall thing is like not, it can't be exchanging Rocco for Christian Wood. Like that's not the act of a team that's interested in winning now with James Harden. Yeah. Their entire season, like, even if they can start off on a good note, which is they're not like we're going to get to it in a minute. They're not. It's just such a house of cards, right? Like it can just fall, fall apart so quickly if one of these major pieces don't hit. And like, so last week before media week even started, I had Ben Dubose on the podcast and we talked, we touched on the James Harden situation. And I brought up the question, like how uncomfortable can James Harden make it for Houston? Like I threw out a bunch of hypotheticals. Like what if James Harden starts giving practices? What if he shows up to practice and throws a temper tantrum like Jimmy Butler in Minnesota? What if James Harden signs with like rock nation and makes it abundantly clear that he wants to go to Brooklyn with KD? Like, and here we are like less than a, a week later and it's somehow even uglier than all that. Not only has he missed the start of training camp, he is out in Las Vegas with no mask, partying out at nightclubs with rappers. And I don't think people thought Houston, like like Harden and the Rockets, would just kiss and make up after, right. the, like, especially after the John Wall trade. But I would even go a, a step further. I think Houston expected it would go a little uglier. Expect, can, you know, considering the the fact that they put out that they were willing to get uncomfortable and wait out the best hard trade. And good God, did it get uncomfortable? I mean, poor Steven Silas is going to look like Barack Obama after right. his eight years in office after by the trade deadline. Like I get like I guess my question to you is are you at all surprised that it's gotten this bad? And do you believe Houston caves and trades Harden before the season? Because that's now on the table now, right? Like I don't think that's going to happen because I think Houston wants to hold out for the best possible offer. And I just don't think teams are throwing that out right now. But I think it's something that's on the table, right? Like if Houston can't stomach this, right? It takes a strong front office to stomach something like this. Like that that's something, you know, I I mean, Minnesota caved, right? Like they yeah. they, they traded Jimmy, Jimmy Butler before, you know, the trade deadline. So it's, I, I would not at all be surprised if, you know, that, that that's got to be like a 1% scenario now. It might even be higher just because, look, I think this, I don't know if it's hardened specifically, but this type of situation was always inevitable because I feel like players have pushed the boundaries of, or stars anyway, of the power that they have where Jimmy Butler, you know, 
doing whatever he did in Minnesota. I don't even really know what to call that. Like it turned into a circus and I blame Tibbs and Minnesota for that. Like a huge part of that. If he communicated, he wanted out at the end of that prior season and they just let it ride. And then he comes to practice and just destroys everyone's yelling at them. And Tibbs thinks it's like good for morale. Like you're an idiot. If that's what you think. Um, so part of the blame is definitely on the team there. If not a huge portion of it, he was also in the last year of his contract. Um, and then with Anthony Davis, like he requested a trade basically 18 months before free agency, as opposed to like their traditional, Hey, wait till the summer and then let them know. And so like, you just combine those two things where it's like, yeah, Jimmy Butler had more leverage, but he went to a greater um, extent to leverage it and then to use it or wield it, whatever you want to say. And then Anthony Davis like requested a trade sooner. Uh, we were always going to get to this point where it was going to be two years before a player hit free agency. And he was going to really try and coax the team into moving him might be the kindest way to put it right now, if not outright force it. And so I'm not surprised that we're here. Um, the partying while not mask wearing thing is like, maybe that's surprising, but I do think it shows that, um, you know, a lot of people think the NBA is the most progressive sports league and maybe it is, but they're these guys, the stars, like there's still a lot of them are millionaires and like their, their lives have not been impacted or they have not changed it to the degree that many other people have. So perhaps that's like a little bit of a shock seeing that, um, I do think it's disrespectful to his teammates. Maybe he's already talked with them, but like if you're, and maybe his teammates don't care, like I'm not in that locker room, but if you're there, not only that he's not there, but he's out like partying without a mask. Like I would take like some sort of offense to that. If I'm a PJ Tucker or if I'm an Eric Gordon, like that's just, just like the Clippers were pissed that Lou Williams went to go get wings for magic city when he was in Atlanta um, without a mask. So I like that part is like, you would think that he would, and again, maybe he's talked to his teammates and there's been communication there and they're all fine with it. So I don't want to speak on their behalf, but that to me seems wildly disrespectful to his teammates. I don't know that he owes the Rockets anything because a lot of this seems self-inflicted ever since Fertitta's come on. But if we're going to talk about the Rockets being, what were they called? The, the Knicks of the South um, by a source close to Harden per, I think it was sports illustrated that reported that Harden's responsible for that to some extent. I know franchises like empower they're superstars. Every franchise that has a superstar does this, but like the Russell Westbrook trade was very clearly Harden and Fertitta driven. Like that's not, that was not a Maury trade. And so James Harden has now cycled through how many star teammates, three, um, Howard, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook. Like at some point, like you're the issue, a huge part of the issue. And so none of this, all of this coming to a head doesn't surprise me. Um, I don't know that I would have pegged this exact situation, but it, it really, and I wouldn't have predicted this, I would say, but it doesn't surprise me. And while you say there's like a 1% chance he doesn't start the season, um, I almost feel like that's a little bit low because yeah, I do think it's maybe like, maybe he just doesn't come to start the season. Like how long does this holdout last? Is he missing actual regular season games? It becomes this PR nightmare where they have to decide whether to actually find him for this, which is teams are hesitant to do because they don't want to send um, a bad message to other star players that they prospectively one day might want to employ, I would probably peg it, you know, less than 50, 50, but I would think it's like around 25% at this point. And uh, maybe it's, be I don't think it's because some team comes in with an offer. They don't know is out there. I'm sure Brooklyn's is just known, but maybe it's just, they're just tired of dealing with it. And they eventually cave to either the nets or another squad, because the longer this drags out, like it doesn't help his value. Like if he starts missing regular season games and whichever team is acquiring him now knows that they're not even going to get him right away because he has to go through COVID protocols. He probably has to work his way into shape. He's not going to be there for this super abridged training camp that they have. And so I definitely think it happens before the trade deadline, but I, if I had to peg it, like I would say a, a hardened trade happens sooner rather than later. 
2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world and more total visits than any other job sites according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day and every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. It, it, it even goes to the CBA a little bit, right? Like, like you're talking about, like, his contract does not start until he reports to training camp. Like, technically, he has he not owed his two years on the two years remaining on his contract until he shows up to training camp. So if he just doesn't show up for this entire season and the Rockets play hardball, like like if, if they really want to play hardball and make it really uncomfortable, they could technically, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's just possible, they could technically let Harden play his shtick out and go into next offseason and be like, listen, you still have two years remaining. Like like you, you didn't show up at all. So we don't we, we don't owe you a paycheck until you come you come to camp and then we can start talking about trades. Like that's technically possible. I think it's unlikely, but you know, st- listen, Steven Silas was asked today, like whether or not the Rockets are going to, you know, start finding Harden. And, you know, he, he kind of talked about how they haven't reached that point yet. And it's just like, at some point, other teams are going to be like, okay, we we can't let, we can't have this. Right. Cause we talked, you talked a little bit about player empowerment. Right. I think some of the owners are looking at this and they're pissed. Right. Cause this is, they're pr- the players at this point are probably testing the boundaries of what they could do under contract, under long-term deals, right? Because we're talking two years out, two years guaranteed money left on his contract, one player option. That That is insane. We haven't seen that since the last CBA was incepted, right? Like that, that's, that's really unpre- unprecedented. We're in uncharted waters with James Harden. And I'm sure some of these some of these team owners are calling Adam Silver and saying, "Hey, let's make an example out of this guy. Let, let's, you know, have the Rockets, you know, play hardball, have Harden show up to camp, have the Rockets find him." And yeah. I don't think the Rockets want to do that. Like like listen, it might be the best thing for the league or whatever the league owners for hard, for the Rockets to do that, but it, it might not be the best thing, the best idea for the Rockets cuz once you start that precedent, like you're right, like other players around the league are going to see that, and you're souring that relationship with James Harden even more. Which, like, if you if you believe you have like a five percent 
chance to keep James Harden, which I think the Rockets do, if they believe they have that, you don't f- it up by you know <laughs> starting to find him. Uh, even even if he's being really irresponsible and really stupid and really selfish, like I, I agree with you, he's being really selfish, man. Like he's he's having Steven Silas, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon, all these guys come on camera every day and have to answer questions about him, and they want to talk about basketball. They don't want to deal with this BS, right? And like you can tell how uncomfortable they're all at. Like I, I, it's just a really toxic situation right now. Yeah, and look, teams are to blame to this for some extent because they pushed for the shorter contracts in the league, and so that gives just players more leverage. You're going to want to extend them sooner, um, and then just the inherently shorter nature of their contracts, where now it's looked at, I think free agency, they call it pre-agency, always began like a year before their contract was technically up. Like the natural progression when these deals are just so much shorter and players are signing shorter contracts um, we're not even talking about just full-term maxes. Like if they're signing extensions mid-contract, most of them are shorter than they would have been if they reached free agency as well. So when you're dealing with that abridged timeline, that's on the teams. Um, the other thing that I think, I don't know who's at fault more for this, but it was collectively bargained. Like they need to figure out a way to diminish the impact the Supermax salary actually has on the available cap because it creates a bad situation, I think, for both player and team where, yeah, I think players... They, they deserve the money they get. Even if I don't think a player's worth the contract he's getting in a vacuum, like he gets that money, he deserves it. But if you're a star like Harden, like you got the money you deserve, but now it's so much harder for your team to build, even if they were making smarter decisions. Like even if you still had Chris Paul, it's just so much harder to build around because you have these two players making 40 plus million dollars a year. And so there needs to come a point where like, if you're giving out, you know, if you get to a point where players are making more than 30% of the salary cap, like maybe that shouldn't count against the salary cap. I don't know if that's a potential solution and would that have made the transition like whatever Houston was doing throughout this entire process like easier I I honestly don't know would Harden feel better about Houston's future if they weren't so like bogged down by these two maxes on their books whether it was he and Westbrook or he and John Wall I honestly don't know but that's something that's going to need to be addressed I do agree that it's become like this toxic dilemma though where you have other people answering for him and it's not you know Steven Silas um, PJ Tucker was it was like he was clearly peeved about it today. Like he said, he only wanted to answer questions about PJ Tucker. And again, if he's had a conversation with Harden, he's fine with it. You don't want to have to answer for other players because they're not there. And so it, it's just created this weird limbo. And I, I don't know, maybe it, like you said, it behooves the league for the Rockets to make an example out of Harden. But I'm just wondering, like you laid it out. Like, be, I don't know that like you need the Rockets to be on board with that. And that could be more damaging for their long-term optics than like anything else. And so why should they, like if you're the Rockets, why do you want to be the guinea pigs of this? Or why do you want to make an example of your star where now it potentially sends the wrong message to other stars? And look, let's just remember, now all of a sudden you just don't have your star player playing. Like he's a top three, top five guy in the NBA and you just don't have him. Maybe Fertitta cares, like if this somehow saves him money, like, okay, maybe he's on board with that. But you want James Harden on the basketball court, like unless you're prepared to enter this this rebuild. So Maybe it is better if, you know, for teams, sure it is. If the Rockets really like push this and play hardball, that's that's going to be great for teams. But if you're the Rockets, like the specific team, like the collateral damage that they're going to incur as a result of all this, yeah, maybe it's better for the teams. I'm not even like, you know, the players, it's a different discussion. Like how would they be impacted by it? Does this take back a little bit of the leverage among superstars as they're approaching the, do we call it like the tail end of their contracts? Like let's call it the latter third at this point or the latter like half. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't, I don't so, even know. So it's just like, it's so I'm rambling because it's just such a complex issue, but I'm with you. I don't know that the Rockets want, you know, we make jokes about Fertitta and if he doesn't have to pay Harden 
perhaps he jumps aboard on that. But if you have James Harden like on your team, you want him with your team and playing basketball because he's that good, which is also what gives him so much leverage in the first place. Yeah, again, like I think if Houston believes internally that they even have like a sliver of hope of keeping him, they should pounce on that. At the same time, like we've we've seen the history of the league, right? Like when a player demands a trade, 99.9% of the time, it is impossible to put that genie back in the bottle, right? Like we've only seen it once in modern NBA history, Kobe with the Lakers, right? And even in that situation, Kobe showed up to training camp. Kobe showed up to media day. And it's we're at this point where like Harden is really testing the waters here, yep. like like you know really seeing like how uncomfortable the Rockets can get. And I think to some extent the Rockets kind of expected this. Like listen, like they, they put out that statement about wanting to be uncomfortable. And I think at some, once they figured out that Harden was not going to sign that extension, that one hundred three three million dollar extension, like they knew like his his days were probably numbered, and they had to formulate a plan and i think this is part of their plan they're they they may say publicly that we're not entertaining james harden trade offers i think they're waiting i think they're waiting for the, those offers to come to them and i guess that brings me to this part of the discussion like well actually before that i, I want to talk about rockets fans for a second because rockets fans and i i never thought i'd see the day they're pissed uh they have turned on James Harden. Like they I saw you wrote, sorry to interrupt, but you wrote in your mailbag, um, like a I don't know, like a dear Rockets fans, like the James Harden situation is over the other <laughs> night. Now it seems like they're they're not just coming to terms with it, they're just like they're all aboard it. Yeah, it, it at that point it, it did seem like there was some delusion out there, right? And now it's like it's very clear that Rockets fans are over this. Like they want this to end. And uh, it's, it, it's, you could not picture an uglier ending for a team. Like I guess Vince Carter, right? Is, is that, is that the maybe Jimmy Butler? Like I, you know what the thing is, is though with like Vince Carter and Jimmy Butler, like they weren't caught on social media, living it up at a strip club in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> in the middle of a pandy. In the middle of a pandy. It is just, it's, it's wild. It is. And like, again, like this is a fan base that rode hard for their guy. Like they defended James Harden at every turn after all the bad playoff moments, after all the, the strip club jokes. Right. And they are just done. They're through with it. And it, it's just wild to watch the reaction on social media. I, I never thought I'd see the day. And and I, I don't you know blame them. Like they're the only victims in all this really. Right. Like right, it's not, right. I don't feel bad for James Harden. I'm not going to, I'm never going to feel bad for Tillman for Tia who, de- uh, <laughs> It's not. It's not a hot take at this point to say that he never should have been allowed to buy an NBA team. Like we're we're been at that point. But I feel I feel generally bad for the fans. And you're right. Like I I mean you disagree with all fan bases because they're higher on their own guys and their team normally than the consensus. But yeah, Rockets fans defended James Harden and they had to defend him from a lot of shit because like you look at the numbers, like he's had some like questionable to abysmal playoff performances, and you stuck with him when. Um, like that, that Chris Paul trade was a, I don't, Rockets fans, very few, like fully talked themselves into it. Like they were willing to justify it, but even at the time, like, so this was the guy that you invested more than just like, uh, as it's like the Rockets, like didn't, they invested more than money and like tailoring their team around them. There's just been like other equity put in where it's like that type of like Paul Westbrook trade. Like he fundamentally changed the makeup of your team and its future, like its assets, because like you needed those to get, that player. So it's been, I feel really bad for Rockets fans throughout all this. And I don't know whether to call James Harden completely wrong. Again, my stance would be like, you show up to camp, 
like be there for your teammates. You don't necessarily owe the team anything, but you're also, you are under contract. And again, I tend to be very pro player, but like this gets to a point for me where it's like, we've crossed, like the line has been crossed and by the NBA continue to like draw it sort of in the sand for superstars where it can continue to be moved back. This was always the inevitable end result of player testing it to this extent. And the, the only people that truly lose throughout all this, because James Harden's going to be fine, whether he plays or gets traded or not. Um, yeah, I, I don't really care what that's going to happen with Philman Fertitta, to be honest with you. But the, the people that lose are um, the fans. And, like, even the players on the Rockets, like, yeah, I feel bad for them. They're still going to get their paychecks. Like, this isn't the team that Silas was hired to coach, but he also had to know what type of situation he was getting into to some extent, um, just knowing that Maury left, D'Antoni left, who he was working for in, in Fertitta. So I feel genuinely, um, and maybe Rockets fans listening to this will think that we're being too hard on them or, like, I'm trolling them. I will troll James Harden all day, all night, 90 times on Sundays, but like, I genuinely feel bad for you guys. Like I feel terrible. No, it's, it, it, it is. I mean, like, it's just, it, it's rough. Like I, I'm seeing people on, on rocket Twitter talking about the Steve Francis days. Like they're just reflecting back. Oh boy. Like, yeah, it, it, it is. It's really, really ugly right now. It is really ugly. And like, listen, like I am someone who like, I don't care what a player does in his off time. Like there, there were a lot of people that that cared that Harden went out to strip clubs at night and you know partied and all that stuff and I I I just don't care like from for but you know when you check out of a basketball game and after you talk to media and all that at that point you're on your own time I don't right. care what you do on your own time as long as you're not committing crimes you're not doing anything you know heinous I I don't he also, care he whatever he was doing like jet setting and then like coming back to Houston like just in time for a game or practice like the dude was still we made jokes he was a top he is a consensus top five player in the league right like i and, and i don't I, I genuinely don't care what those players do in their off time as long as they're taking what they're doing on time very seriously which to to all extent like harden was doing like harden took very seriously practicing uh playing coming to games all that stuff like harden was one of those guys who you know vehemently defended the rockets keeping shoot around around like when mike d'antoni came in like Mike D'Antoni took away shoot, shoot arounds, and James Harden was the most ardent defender of that. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that. Like he was very against that idea. Like he, he was a hard work. He in Houston, he was a hard worker on the basketball court. And I, I just, I didn't care what he did off the basketball court. And so, at this point, however, he is going out in the middle of a pandemic without a mask on. He's having his pl- he's he's having his teammates answer questions for him. Uh, he's doing all this stuff not on his time, on their time, right? And he is not honoring his contract. Like I, I like we can we're very pro player, right? And uh, and, and NBA Twitter in general is very pro player, and that's a good thing. Like, you should be pro union. It's you should always whenever you're 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 trying to decide which side you should be on, always pick the union, right? But this is very much testing the limits of that. And it's very hard to defend what Harden's doing right now. Yeah, and I don't know if the Rockets provoked this by saying they were willing to get uncomfortable, and Harden was like, "Okay, deal." Like I, I honestly don't know, but they're if they, I if if that was their end, like I don't know why they would release it like that. Um, they probably should have let it let it out like more tactfully that they weren't going to move him no matter what, because now it seems like a matter of them inevitably settling. And like we, I, I don't know if you were planning on getting into the trade tutors, but like. I don't see any team that's going to see all this coming around and then talk themselves into giving up more for Harden than they were before or talk themselves into going after Harden when they weren't going to before. If anything, I feel like it might convince other teams to wait or like to be further away. I don't think they're going to think any less of James Harden as a player, but 
you don't necessarily want to, you know, if you're, if you're not the Nets, like, why are you giving up primo value for someone who is shown that he's not going to show up to the team he doesn't want to play for? And I think that this has more of an adverse impact on whatever offers they would get from other teams outside of Brooklyn. Like, I can't see any team just coming to the table going all in. Like, the one team I think you could have talked yourself into before all this was the Warriors after they lost Clay. Like, we're Wiseman, the Minnesota pick, and then just every other pick you could imagine is on the table, plus the Wiggins contract, like, to make the money work. Uh, but like, that's, you know, if you're them, like, is this going to make you any more seduced by the idea of acquiring James Harden? I, I honestly don't think so. Yeah. I had three questions to end this podcast. Uh, and I think I'm gonna have to eliminate the first one I had. Does James Harden get traded? When do, when does he get traded and where does he get traded? I think we're both on the same page. He's going to get traded. Uh, so I guess my next question is like, when does he get traded? Do you, do you believe this, this happens before the season? Cause it sounds like you might be open to that. Or do you believe this happens at the deadline? It's my my um, on the fence prediction would be it's definitely going to happen before the deadline. Like this isn't something that gets settled in um, when they set it for March 25th or March 20 something. It's going to be settled before then. The question to me really is, does he get traded before the season or is this a Jimmy Butler situation where it's like 10 to 12 games in? This thing has become such a disaster that you just have to move him because he's a distraction now either way. Either he's not there and he's a distraction by virtue of his absence, in which case you're asking the coaches, the, the players um, about him, no matter what happens in the game. And he's the story or he's there and you know, he wants out and it becomes this huge distraction. And that's what, you know, that was the luxury, uh, not a luxury, but like, that's the thing that's happening here. That didn't happen with the Davis trade is that he requested a trade so close to the deadline that eventually the deadline passed. And like the question of, will you move him? was just not being asked with regularity anymore because you couldn't like it had to wait until after the season. We're in December. So like you're talking about three months between now and the trade deadline. It's not dragging on that long. I want to be bold and say that they move him before the season starts. But when he has like a wish list of one, and this isn't like kind of a Jimmy Butler situation where it feels like he didn't really, he had his list, but like there were so many teams involved. I think that changes the situation. If I had to pick, is James Harden still on the Rockets by the new year? I'm going to say he's not. James Harden is not going to begin 2021 on the Rockets. And I feel like that should count if he's still not playing for them. Like if he hasn't been traded, but he's still he's still not with the team. Like that's how I think this is eventually all going at. I don't know if they settle or if a team comes out of the woodwork. Um, again, I don't know if you've given any thought to a team that might come out of the woodwork. That's where I really struggle. Some people have mentioned Atlanta. Uh, I don't think I think he'd be a terrible fit alongside Trey Young personally. So, but I, my gut says that now that we've reached this point, it was already the point of no return. But now that we've reached this point where it's getting so ugly, unless the Rockets are really willing to to be the example of a team that's penalizing their star player, or willing to find him, not pay him, like do whatever it takes, and then drag this out for months, uh, I, I just don't see how this ends in anything other than an imminent trade, not just a trade, but an imminent trade. Well, wow, so you think he's good? He gets traded this month, basically five I, so about four or five games in the season. I do, I do say that. That's my gut feeling. I would say that I think he's played his last game in a Rockets uniform. Like maybe that's the best way to put it, because maybe this is a situation where he just doesn't come. And perhaps I'm wrong there because Jimmy Butler ended up playing for the Timberwolves again. But that's kind of just my gut feeling at this point. I don't know where you land. Whether you think that's crazy right now. I'm not going to say anything you say is crazy, man. Like, listen, <laughs> you've, got, you've gotten so much right on this podcast. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave you, you leave you be and give you my prediction, right? Uh, so I, I think he gets traded February, March ish, right? I, I, I just think, um, do you think I he just, plays during that time? 
then. I do. If that's what I, you do, okay. Yeah, I, I think I think he probably misses some of preseason. I think he comes in late preseason, early regular season. And I think it, it, it gets really uncomfortable. I, I, I don't know how many games the Rockets are going to win. Again, like I think they have to have a Hail Mary type start. Like they have to go like 10 and one to start the season or something to like really try and convince James Harden that this is a place he wants to be. I think, I think it's got, it's that far gone. Uh, and if they don't start off that way, I, I really do think he's gone by the deadline. Like I, I just think this situation has gotten so toxic and, I, I think the teams are going to come in by then. Like, I really do. I think teams will come in with their best offers by the time February comes around. I, I think, you know, I, I guess we'll talk about suited here in a second. I think a team like Philadelphia, you know, if they find out that, okay, like Ben Simmons is a really nice player, uh, but we if we, we have the opportunity to get James Harden, we have to go get James Harden. Like, we just have to put all our chips on the table. We have to go get James Harden. And I think a team like Brooklyn, like if they find out midseason that they're just not – one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, and they're probably not going to be. Maybe they make the move. I don't know. Like, I think Brooklyn probably more than Philadelphia has more incentive to wait because uh, I just think their roster is a little bit better, a little bit more dependable, uh, and a little bit better fitting than uh, than Brooklyn's uh, than Philadelphia's roster. So I, I, I think that's where I'd put it. I think Philadelphia probably has the most incentive to move on it. Brooklyn probably number two. After that, I guess we can talk about that in a minute. We can talk about some wildcard teams in a minute, but I, I just think I just think those teams are are going to start putting their best offers on the table, including their best prospects, uh, probably around February, March. And that's why you wait. Like that would be the reason to wait is because maybe Brooklyn starts and they're slow and they're willing to include more picks because I'd, I'm sure every single player that's not Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's been available. Um, maybe Philly then's willing to move off of Ben Simmons. Uh, at, you know, maybe Miami is, I guess now it's pretty much impossible because after the extension, but like if they had started slow, do they get open to moving Bam at a bio? And now that he's a poison pill, like that becomes ridiculously difficult. Uh, but like, I don't know what other young, like teams with like young players, like, like have, like you're still, to me, you're still waiting on a finite market for James Harden then, even if you're waiting, which is where the danger comes in. Like what team does it really benefit to wait? Like, could, could it be the Warriors where like they're starting off slow? They're, they're healthy, but they're not as good as they need to be. Um, they're just so invested in this roster that, uh, you know, once they're able to combine Kelly Oubre Jr. Sal- salary again, like that's when they get raring to go. Like that's when things they like, off. They include all the picks, the James Wiseman and and the, the Minnesota pick, and they they go from there. Um, but you're still again, it feels like you're waiting on like three teams in that scenario if you're waiting. But that's the reason you wait is because you think that assets that aren't necessarily available to you now might be once teams discover more about themselves. And you know, just do the Clippers like start offering Paul George? at some point, depending on how this season goes. I like, I don't know, but that's the reason why you wait. And I, I think that's a good argument to make. I'm just, when it's this ugly, I'm just skeptical that it happens. And maybe I'm ascribing too much value to what Harden's doing and not enough to the stomach of, of the Rockets at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those things where like their stomach is going to get tested. And I, I, I do believe that if they really wanted to play a wild card, like you're talking about a free agency class next year, where like, if you don't land Giannis, or if you don't land your star player, and you, like you don't like your team with no cap space or whatever, I mean, listen, like you could do worse than James Harden. You could do worse than putting all your your assets on the table for James Harden if you're one player away, right? Then we're talking about the Miamis of the world, right? And I, I don't know if a team like Miami would be interested. You know, I don't know if they'd be interested in throwing in like Tyler Hero or could, uh, could you name like, 
two more polar opposites than Jimmy Butler or James Harden being on the same team together, that would be wild. Well, listen, it almost happened. It it almost happened. Right. Right? And it is uh it's one of those things where like I don't know how what their appetite is. Like, I, I, we're really gonna have to see how some of these teams perform, right? Like, I, I think a big question for Miami next season is like, how much of last season, how much of the bubble was a fluke, or, and how much of it was a real? And I think, I think more of it was real than we're willing to give it credit for. I don't, I don't believe they're the best team in the Eastern Conference by any means. I think they're probably around third or fourth ish. You know, just eyeballing it right now, I, I, I probably have teams like Milwaukee, Philly. Uh, Brooklyn ahead of them, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I I do believe that they're probably not going to make the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Uh, and if if they're a team that really wants to land Giannis and they miss out on Giannis for some reason, like I I I don't know, you know where where that race is at. I don't I don't even want to think about Giannis right now. Right now, I just, one one superstar. Well, at a time. he he what? look Giannis if he signs the supermax, like he changes the complexion of the James Harden sweepstakes because maybe Miami's right. more open to looking at that when they know they don't have a shot at Harden. Maybe I don't know if Toronto has the asset firepower. There's obviously Ananobi there, but you're not giving up Siakam in there, but like maybe Toronto's more open to it. Um Dallas is probably out of that running even if they're waiting on Giannis, so that's but like it, it would open up some things Mike can I put you on the spot though and ask you for a question of like if there's a just an offbeat team like maybe a team that's not necessarily one player away that would could maybe you could see coming to the table for James Harden like do you have any feel for what it is there are like two that kind of sort of spring to mind to me for me but I'm just curious as to what you think about that because I do think the focus should be the the Miamis the Brooklyn's the Phillies like the the teams that are on the fringes of contention but as we've seen like this stuff is kind of unpredictable too yeah, so I get a little crazy with the stuff, right? So, like, I, I think if you have a a star core, uh, if you have a star core in house, and you, you you're really serious about winning a championship, and, and you feel like you're one you're one James Harden away from from winning it, I think you should go for it. So I get really crazy with this stuff. Like, I I think teams like Jamal Murray, like I mean, teams like the Denver Nuggets shouldn't be offended by the idea of Houston asking for Jamal Murray. I don't think that I don't think they would do it and I'm not sure if I would do it, but I I don't think it's crazy. Like if you're if you're really trying to like maximize Nikola Jokic's core, I mean pairing him with James Harden like two top 10 players on your roster and you feel like James Harden would stay? Like that's really the big question, right? Do you feel like James Harden's going to stay after those 2 years? If you feel like you if that, that's a yes, I mean, will you are you willing to put someone like Murray on the table? I I probably think no, but I, 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 if I were them, I, I, I'd at least entertain it. Like, but I think more likely you're going to see teams like Miami and uh, throw in like second tier assets. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to throw in, I don't think they're going to throw in their best chips, but I think someone like Tyler Hero uh, is probably on the table. And I think, yeah, for Harden, definitely. They're, they're just so complicated now because, like, you don't, like, Bam Adebayo is basically off limits because of the, like, the extension, at least until the offseason. It's like they probably wouldn't have moved him to begin with. But like now that just makes it so much harder to find a workable deal because they can only trade like hero 2025 and 2027 picks. Like if that's the framework, like, is that enough for Houston to really be like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. It, I, I, I don't think so. Like it, it's one of those things where like, I think we'll get a clear idea of what these wild card teams will be. The longer Houston holds out. I think, I think the shorter Houston holds out, we're probably going to get a traditional team uh, trade for James Harden. But if they hold out for the long term. And if they if they if they have the stomach to wait for next offseason, which I don't think they do, like that's just really really hard uh, to wait that long. Like we're talking, we're we're four months away from the trade deadline, right? If 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 they're talking about waiting until, I mean, the second half of the schedule 
hasn't even been released. Yep. And we're and we're talking about them waiting until the offseason. Like, like that's that's tough. That's really tough. But if they if they do have that stomach, I think then we can start talking about wildcard teams. I think more more likely we're talking about the same two or three teams that we think are in the chase. I, I think I, I think it really is like it, it, it can really be simple here. I think it really is Brooklyn, Philly, and maybe Miami. Like I think there's probably two or three th- teams at most that are really interested in James Harden's services to the point where they'll put in a serious offer. Like I think a team like Golden State might explore, right? Like they, they might mm-hmm. just inquire about James Harden. Like I, you know, I think that's already been reported by Shums that they did inquire about James Harden. I'm not sure if they're willing to throw in like the monster offer you just threw out. Like I don't think they're willing to throw in like like Wiseman, uh, Wiggins, the Minnesota pick. I, I don't think they're willing to throw in all that. Uh, but you know, it is interesting to see if they if they ha- how long they can wait. Like how long Houston waits. We'll decide all this. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. If it's sooner, it's probably going to be one, like two to three teams. If it's opened up, it's probably because they they waited. Yeah, I mean, it's so. Let's let's end on this. Where, where does he get traded? Like, where where's your head at? Do you think he gets traded to Brooklyn? My, I I want to say that I think it's Brooklyn. Um, I feel like it could be like maybe a Portland comes in there at the last minute, or like does New York do something stupid with like 80 picks and Mitchell Robinson and Barrett. And all that stuff. Um, Houston has to come down on to asking price of a current all-star player. But I, I think it's Brooklyn. I'd be shocked if Philly's willing to give up Ben Simmons at least this season for him. And I don't really – Miami, I just don't know. Unless unless Houston's high on Tyler Hero and willing to settle on the asking price, I just don't see it for them. Yeah, if, if, if the Rockets are intent on making a trade before the season, like these top-tier assets aren't going to be on the table. Just straight up, like they, they these teams, like Miami wants to see another year of Tally Hero. Philadelphia wants to see another year of Ben Simmons. Like they're not going to be on the table. I think these teams want to wait until at least the trade deadline, if not the off season, to see how these these you know young players develop. I, especially like Philadelphia with Ben Simmons, like they just brought in a ton of shooting for their stars. I think they want to see how it plays out. I think I think that's why Maury was brought in. Like they want to see how a a roster that fits better around those two players works out for a season and, and how how high their ceiling can be, right? The, this is a pretty pivotal year for Philly. So I want to see how they perform. And I think I think a, a big part of their performance this season is really going to depend on uh, whether or not they put Ben Simmons on the table, right? Like I, I think if, if, they, if they just absolutely kill it, they're probably going to be more reluctant to put someone like Ben Simmons on the table. And if they're just like, you know, 49, 50, 52 in one team or something like that, if they're, if they're just not getting there, that's probably when they're willing to put their chips on the table. I'm 100% with you there. I think it, I think you covered it perfectly. That's just the that's the complexion of this this whole situation right now is how long the Rockets are are willing to wait. I think that determines not only their return but where he's going. I'm going to say Philly. I do think Ben Simmons gets put on the table, but I'm not sure if that happens before the season. I think that happens uh, mid season or the off season, right? I so, and I probably say mid season. I I I think that pro- that deal probably happens midseason, but we'll see. Like what what interests me about Brooklyn, and we'll, we'll end on this before we head out. I think you know Rockets fans are really going to pay attention to the Karis LeVert, Spencer Dimwitty, and you know like that you know poo poo platter, right? And right. I and they're going to be discouraged by the names. I think what's really important in that trade, much like the Westbrook trade, it's all about the picks, right? It's all about where the picks are, how far out. What protections are they? Do you have any swaps in that trade? I think that trade's going to be all about the picks. I think if Houston does that trade, it's not about the players they acquire. Although I think I do think they're going to get those players and flip them and do a, a Sam Presti. Uh, 
but but I I think it's a it's about the the picks and how far they are how far out they are. That, that I mean that seems like a smart call because I think if you're trading hard and you're going to do a rebuild anyway, I don't think acquiring a current star or even someone on that path needs to be the priority. And maybe that's where they come off, but that's also maybe they still get one. But the tipping point is going to be how far into the distance are these picks? How many swaps are you getting? It's it has to be all about future assets. Yeah, you have to structure it to to where it's after Katie's prime. Well. Um, you have to bounce here uh, here in a minute. So thank you so much for coming on, taking an hour out of your time. I know you got to do a triple header podcast. Uh, so uh, do you have anything to plug before we head out here? I got nothing. Um, I'll be releasing my player rankings at Bleacher Report though, just before the start of the season, so people can keep an eye out for that if they want to. Where can we follow you on Twitter? At Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. Thanks so much, man. <laughs>